Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Neil World Order Podcast. Coming to you late tonight, it is 12.07, I guess it's technically Sunday the 4th now, uh, just got in a little while ago. Um, I had the uh, pleasure tonight of going out with uh, my boy uh, Nate Hansen, Hansen Screen Printing. We went to a uh, event put on by Great Lakes Championship Wrestling called uh, Blizzard Brawl. Uh, they've been doing this for, uh, I don't know, a handful of years, maybe longer. Uh, Nate and Hansen Screen Printing print t-shirts at the event. Um, Nate's actually gotten in with a lot of the uh, the uh, performers. Um, it was really cool. Uh, he invited me this year to go. I went. Um, awesome, awesome card. Uh, you know, those of you know, I love wrestling. Uh, we got to see Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, uh, Al Snow was there, Vampiro, Gangrel. Um, who else? EC3, uh, the Samoan Werewolf, Jacob Fatu, uh, a lot of up-and-comers and young guys that are in the uh, Great Lakes Champions, GLCW uh, and OVW wrestling organizations, guys that are going to be like the future of uh, wrestling, you know, will be in your WWE, NXT, uh, Impact, AEW in the years to come. Uh, really cool. It was, it was a lot of fun, um, you know. Nate got to go in the ring and uh, talk about, um, uh, he had printed t-shirts for uh, CBS uh, anchorman Mike Kirkov, who actually uh, wrestled in a match against uh, former WWE uh, wrestler uh, Mordecai, and uh, Billy Gunn actually came out and assisted him to get the win. And Nate had printed these shirts and sold them at the event, and uh, all the proceeds were going to the Wisconsin Humane Society, which is a totally cool thing. Uh, Wisconsin Humane Society is actually where we adopted Ellie from. Um, we had fostered her, and then one thing led to another. I've told the story before, and she's our forever dog and my favorite creature. But yeah, it was it was awesome. Really good time. Um, fun event. Great crowd. Great people. Uh, I appreciate Nate uh, extending the invite. Uh, talked about having him on the show, so we're going to do that soon once we get the uh, studio basement and everything all put back together, which uh, one wall is pretty much done thanks to the uh, real MVP. I had um, sealed and we had cut some of the boards, and tonight while I was gone, you know, my wife, who can't sit still, went down there and put some boards up because she's awesome. And does stuff like that for me. So, like I say all the time, how fortunate I am. There's proof that I am right there. Uh, football playoffs this weekend. USC lost. Or not the playoffs, but uh, games that impact the playoffs. USC lost. TCU lost. Uh, Michigan won today. So, I would think USC and TCU losing uh, probably opens the door for Ohio State. Um USC is gone for sure. I could see TCU being gone. And unfortunately, I think they're going to put Alabama in. If they were going to put anyone in, it should be Tennessee because we beat Alabama. We had a tougher schedule. Um, although with our quarterback out, I don't know how we would fare going into the court, into the playoff. But I honestly think it's going to come down to Michigan and Georgia regardless. 
at this point. But that's your college football recap. Uh, apparently, the uh, if we switch as we switch to NFL, the Packers season is not mathematically over, which I find that very hard to believe. I think it's going to take some kind of miracle math, and even then. There's absolutely no point in the Packers making the playoffs. They're not good enough to make a run. They've played like crap all year. They've underachieved. There's still a lot of injuries. There's plenty of people on the coaching staff that need to be fired. So I I just, I mean, it would be a miracle if we made it at this point. You know, in between uh, Aaron Rodgers having his broken thumb and a rib injury that he sustained versus Philly, I would shut him down for the rest of the season. <sighs> Sorry, I'm really thirsty. Not drinking whiskey tonight, though. You know, I would shut him down, especially if he plans on coming back to Green Bay next year or maybe even playing in the future, which <sighs> I don't know why he would come back, honestly, but, you know, that's him, and his contract is so ridiculous that... Uh, Without reworking it, there's no way really to address any of the team needs. And you can't release him because he kills $90 million in cap space. So, you know, I guess we're left hoping for restructure or retirement or a trade that obviously would still require a restructure only because you'd have to be the Raiders, Cowboys, Redskins would be the only team stupid enough to take on the contract he has. But uh, <clears throat> anyways, that's pretty, you know, and it's crazy, too, because you sit here and you think uh, how quick the football season goes. It seems like an eternity, honestly. Maybe it's just a guy thing, waiting for it, the season to start, and then when it gets here, it's just kind of like over like that. And, and maybe it's worse because with the Packers, uh, it seemed pretty quick that it was going to be a bad season, and the season was pretty much all for nothing. And that's that's being a fan, though, right? That's that 99% of disappointment <laughs> I talked to you about, just like real life. I'm kidding. Um, no, you know, life is great. Um, it really is. And if we're if you're fortunate enough to be here listening, well, then you're still alive and kicking and you still have every opportunity to kind of get out and live the life you want or follow your dreams or make those changes, whatever. Um, I think sometimes with the whole the whole mental health journey I've been on, you know, it's brought me some new things. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the first ones that really comes to mind and I think <clears throat> impacts and has like this trickle-down effect over everything is, is clarity. Um, it sounds small. It really does. You know, it's just clarity it's a simple word but in reality it's not and it's clarity on so many different levels I feel what the uh, what the clarity is to me personally my clarity I guess it's like all this extra room in my mind uh, a mind not filled with all this regret or pain or just feelings that for years I couldn't let go of this extra room I have now in my mind, it, it really makes life easier to navigate. Um, it's like before I was in a crowded room and kind of couldn't find the door, and now I have this clean room, a comfy chair, a great view out the window, and I always know where the door is. I, I really wish I hadn't put, I hadn't 
I had put the work in sooner in my life, honestly, I really do, or that maybe someone had told me that the way I used to feel wasn't something I needed to just bury myself in, you know, for years. So, you know, what I say to people is if you ever feel like you're, you're in a rut, you, you can get out. It is possible. It's work. It's hard work. But it's worth it. You know, I feel personally that my life is so much better. Uh, every day I enjoy small victories that I, you know, I've now learned to appreciate, celebrate. You know, I even have times where I'm able to see and understand where and how I kind of used to be, how I once was, and why I got there. You know, that's something that the, uh, I think the clarity has provided provided me as like this insight or enlightenment and it's kind of <clears throat> you know it's sometimes when things come full circles circle anyways I you guys know I, I love music um, obviously as I try to share some of that love and appreciation with you guys each week with the songs and the artists and you know sticking with the clarity thing the other day had sort of a rough day uh, just Things that happen in the course of life, nothing drastic, nothing over the top. Um, you know, things I sort of have been through before. But but I have to say it was different this time. At least how it affected me was, and I think part of that is because of the place that I'm at now and the tools I've developed to process how I feel and how things affect me and situations in general and kind of how to navigate through them. Um, you know, so... I deal with some stuff, and then uh, I get back in the car, and I'm headed wherever it is I'm going, and uh, Johnny Cash's version of Hurt comes on, and I've, first off, I've always loved this song, and I've been drawn to it ever since the first time I saw Nine Inch Nails perform it, and I believe it was 1994 at Vanderbilt University in Tennessee, but <clears throat> the other day, I heard it with clarity, if you will. You know, like from the opening line where it's, I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. And for, for a moment, you know, I was able to see myself in those words. You know, and I've listened to this song, I don't know, 100,000 times over the years. But, but on this day, for whatever reason, like I, I really heard it. You know, and I was reminded of times when I put myself in unhealthy situations in the past, whether it was relationships, friendships, or maybe just life choices in general, you know, things that were destined to hurt me because in that version of me, the pain of being hurt was really the only thing I was kind of conditioned to feel. It sounds odd, I know. The hurt, in a way, it kind of made me feel alive. And that's not why you're doing it, I think. I think it's just kind of what you know. Um, it was a reminder that I was that I was here in the world in life and that maybe I wasn't invisible you know and in those moments of course you know I never appeared to be hurting it was just this feeling that I kept inside and I, I just kind of let it linger there and kind of dwell there you know and then <clears throat> you know as the song continues and I apologize if you all know the words by heart like I do. And the second line is, I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. Um, you know, I, I hear those words and, and I look at where I used to be and like my state of mind and just 
how I felt, and I'm super thankful. I'm thankful that I have the clarity to see all the gifts and blessings in my life, uh, many of which were present even when I felt at my lowest. I just didn't have the clarity or the tools to see them and appreciate them. You know, because I used to live in this world that was almost like completely in my head, in my feelings, where it seemed like only bad stuff was real. The uh, stuff, you know, the pain, the sadness, regret, anger, you know. And for a while, I think that's all I thought I had. So, you know, I, I, I pretended, you know, because I knew how I felt probably wasn't how most people felt. Um, but I also didn't understand how to talk about it to other people. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I was embarrassed or worried about how people would see me or if they would even understand what I was trying to express, you know, <clears throat> or how, how I felt in general. And I think maybe at times, you know, plenty of times, I probably wasn't even sure how I felt. I just knew I wasn't all right, if that makes sense. You know, and <clears throat> the strange thing about, about it is, is like when you're going through, when, it, when you're going through it, it's, it's not like pain like you feel like when you lose a loved one or a pet or just like innate sadness. It's kind of like this state of mind. It's like this heavy blanket that covers everything. It, and it's more of an empty feeling or not feeling good enough or having a lot of self-value. Maybe uh, you have a negative self-image, maybe a lack of identity, you know, and almost at times you hate yourself, you know, you're kind of lost in your emotions and in your head and not having any way to find your way out. So you kind of ignore it all since you don't know how to escape it anyways. And, and like I said, you, you just pretend. And, um, <clears throat> you know, and like I said, this day the song was just like, I felt like it was like step by step, a look into the how life used to be. And, you know, maybe probably still is for a lot of people. You know, and the song continues, the needle tears a hole, the old familiar sting. Try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. You know, and in the song, Trent Reznor's describing using drugs to escape whatever pain, demons he's battling. You know, but I guess you can look at the words as like a metaphor about being self-destructive, doing things to harm you or aren't good for you with the intention of numbing yourself, really, to all the things you don't want to feel, um, things you're afraid of. You know, but like in the song he says, but I remember <clears throat> everything, which to me is the realization that the escapes are short-lived, you know, and whatever it is, is there, it, it's, it's going to remain, um, because, you know, in those moments, when you're in those places, and you feel that way, it's easier to kind of hurt yourself, and revel in your pain, than it is to receive love, to believe you're loved, or to love, or, you know, believe you're cared for, or whatever, so you try and kind of like, and I don't think you're looking at it this way when you're doing it. You, you kind of just, like, destroy yourself on so many levels. You know, you, you through your actions, your words, whatever, you know, your behaviors, you chase people away, you know. And, and it's almost at times like you're trying to hurt them maybe before they hurt you. Um, you know, when I think about, you know, this, the song as a whole as it continues and it's like, I wear this crown of shit upon my liar's chair, full of broken thoughts, 
I cannot repair. And you know, it's it's like I said, the the clarity in which I guess I see and hear it now is it's what happens is when you kind of become the king of your pretend world. You know, this place that you present to the real world, and and it's built on lies, um, lies you tell yourself, lies you tell others. Uh, you know, by this false front you put up, and um, you kind of think just because you go through the motions of life. And eventually it's not pretend, but it, it just is. Um, you know, and it's crazy because I was thinking about it, and then I kind of snapped out of it because if I if I look back too long, I'm sad. I get disappointed, almost almost angry. I feel for that, that kid, that man I was that took such, like, a long journey to find peace, love, you know, wellness. <clears throat> You know, and I feel like the bright spot being that because of the clarity and the work I've put in, I am able to see all those things now and also realize that it's a place that I honestly don't need to visit. You know, I didn't want to sit there and with the regret of, oh, yeah, I should have done this sooner. You know, instead, you know, I was like, I'm good now. I'm well. You know, I've done this. This is what I've done for myself. You know, and I, I share this just because. You know, maybe it helps someone. Um, maybe one of you out there thinks you're stuck, you know, or that it's all hopeless and it never gets better. You know, and I assure you it does. You know, it's not it's not an easy path because the best things require work. You know, they do, but the rewards are worth the work. So honestly, you know, anyone, if you know anyone, you know, people who are struggling, like, do, do yourself a favor, you know, get help, ask for help. Initially, that's the hardest part. Every step after that first step is easier, you know, and then you do the work, you know, and there, there's resources. They're not all expensive, but, but, but they're there, you know, and I think if we take the time and effort to focus on our, our mental health sometimes, you know, and, and make it a priority that it, it leads, like I said, it's this trickle down into everything else and makes everything else better. Sorry, I had to grab a drink. That was kind of a long pause, wasn't it? So I suppose in staying with mental health, um, Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's a bad segue. I uh, I started watching the uh, Casey Anthony documentary interview on Peacock. It was like uh, Casey Anthony, where the truth lies. Um, I know, I know. Uh, but stop with all your judging. And I'm going to say this right off the bat. I personally don't think she did it. That being said, for those of you who maybe are not sure who Casey Anthony even is. Um, let yours truly refresh your memory. Orlando, Florida, July 15th, 2008. Um, Cynthia Anthony calls 911 to inform them her two-year-old granddaughter, Kaylee, has been missing for apparently 31 days. That's right, 31 days, like a month. Uh, she then, she talks to him for a sec, the dispatcher, whoever, and then hands the phone off to her daughter, the child's mother, Casey. Casey informs the dispatcher that her daughter... Uh, has been missing, but was with her nanny and names uh, a woman. It's a Hispanic woman. I don't... Uh, anyways. The story about the nanny 
and and a series of other stories that followed uh, that Casey shared with the police. They were all lies. So she lied to the police, you know, and the lies varied from her places, place or places of work to where she had been with her daughter. There were almost too many to count. Um, on top of the lies, you know, Casey had spent the last 30 days apparently living it up, according to newspapers and tabloids, who had lots of photos of her in various uncompromising scenes, drinking, being out with people, and, and all that. Um, one note, though, which was never really relayed to us at the time this all was happening, was that a lot of the photos that would be that came out were actually proven to have been years old and not in the timeline of the events before and after her daughter was missing. But anyways, Casey was eventually arrested for the false statements. I, I don't know if it was like obstruction or something along those lines. And uh, she had this incident with uh, stolen checks from a roommate. You know, And at this point, the whole investigation is kind of focused on how did Casey kill Kaylee? Uh, the court of public opinion was almost made up from day one, um, you know, and so had the media. And, you know, after watching this show and the documentary, it, it appears the Orlando Police Department had made up their mind as well. Uh, you know, and at this point, like I said, there's no physical evidence, um, just some strange behavior. The motive, I guess they were the narrative they were portraying is that Casey wanted to be free of the obligations of motherhood and wanted to live her life as she saw fit. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the interviews with friends and people close to her, you know, contradicted that that kind of narrative, but that seemed to be what they were going with. October of 2008, she's finally charged with uh, first-degree murder. Like I said, no evidence, no body, just assumptions, theories. And, and it's it's kind of crazy, too, because I'll be honest, a lot of the details I knew previously that I kind of thought were like the facts of the case, and upon research and watching the documentary, I realized they really were not facts at all. So the media was even selling us bullshit, you know, uh, 15 years ago, it seems. Um you know, there was an incident that cadaver dogs had alerted at the trunk of her car that there was human uh, decomp detected. Well, it turns out that the dog only alerted at the vehicle once out of 15 tries, which isn't considered actually a hit. Um, there was also this technology that was used supposedly to detect decomp molecules in the air of the trunk, and that is something that honestly had no scientific data or successful research behind it. Um, and at the time, these things were pushed like they were fact, like they were indisputable. Um, and I think it's probably the reason a lot of us assumed she did it, you know, that Casey had killed her daughter. Um, eventually, in uh, December of 2008, uh, the two-year-old child Kaylee's remains were found in the neighborhood in the neighborhood uh, where they lived in a vacant lot wooded area the child had been wrapped in a blanket and then placed in a laundry bag and the laundry bag in a trash bag that had been duct taped um, there was no conclusive cause of death ever determined yet it was ruled a homicide um, <clears throat> The laundry bag was actually traced back to the Anthony residence uh, 
as well as pieces of the duct tape, matched duct tape found at the home uh, on some things in the garage, I believe is what it was. <clears throat> and this, this was the home that Casey did share with her mother and father. Um, you know, at this point, Casey's in jail. Um, upon psych evalu evaluation while in jail, uh, Casey detailed events that led uh, her therapist to believe that her father, George Anthony, had sexually assaulted her for years when she was younger, and there were even instances of abuse from her brother, Lee. Um, the doctor de detailed that she presented behaviors and effects of someone who had suffered these traumas as a child. Um, her her father on the whole, if you watch this, and just, you know, if you do any kind of research, he's kind of the shady character. Um, and he, you know, he seemed to have like this control over her that, and she kind of operated in fear of him. You know, over the years, I believe he had, he had had several affairs, uh, one even during the whole investigation and trial. Um, he had taken money from his wife's retirement, and he kind of presented himself as this whole person that he wasn't. Uh, he was a former cop, uh, and he kind of used that, I think, to create some sort of bond with the investigators. You know, and so much so that during the documentary, when those investigators are questioned on, you know, how maybe they didn't do some of the due diligence on looking into him, their answer, and I quote, was, well, he seemed like a good guy. You know, and and the crazy thing about George Anthony, if you take it further, is this is a guy who would, <clears throat> on the news, you know, the talk shows, whatever, would support his daughter to the media and talk about her innocence, visit with her in jail, talk to her and how they were going to get through this, how they were going to get her out, how everything was going to be okay. Yet he would then go to the authorities and essentially throw her under the bus. He was the star witness for the prosecution. He testified countless times in her trial for the prosecution, which was seeking the death penalty. So he was ultimately aiding in the state trying to have his own daughter put to death via the death penalty while on the news, you know, in interviews saying he didn't think she did it, you know, this, that, it, and it, it was actually the testimony of one of his mistresses that many credit as the reason for Casey's acquittal because she actually testified that one night in a moment of weakness or some sort of breakdown that George Anthony sobbed on her couch that the whole incident was, and I quote, an accident that spiraled out of control. Anthony would dispute ever saying that, but I believe the mistress's testimony was deemed very credible, uh, at least it resonated with the jury. Um, you know, other testimony that I think maybe in a way might have created reasonable doubt and implicated George Anthony's involvement was testimony by his son Lee, who had testified that when family pets would die, their father would wrap the pets in blankets and place them in a trash bag and duct tape the bag before burying them in the backyard, which was pretty much the exact way Kaylee's body was found. You know, and it, it's crazy. You know, before even watching this documentary, which if you're into true crime and stuff and you can, 
watch it with an open mind. I recommend. I know a lot of people I talk to. It's like, oh, she did it. She did it. And I'm like, God, you don't even know. Like, listen. Um, I was I was unaware that at one point uh, Casey Anthony was actually offered a plea deal from the state. The uh, deal was 20 years, but she had to fully admit guilt. And, you know, the, the admit guilt and say that she was responsible for the death of her father. Her response, and I quote, was no fucking way. You know, and, and mind you, she's, she's facing the death penalty. And the public and the media have pretty much already convicted her. But she said she would rather die on death row trying to prove her innocence than take a deal and admit she had that she had killed her daughter. You know... And, and I had to admit, upon hearing this, you know, when they're talking to her attorneys and stuff in this documentary, I was a little taken back because she was offered 20 years, which most likely would have been 10 to 15, you know, versus certain execution in her position. I honestly can't say if I would have made the same choice. And I thought, you know, that spoke, that spoke to me as is to say, okay, she's, because, you know, obviously, um, you know, she's acquitted. Everyone knows the story knows that. I haven't got there yet. But, like, at the time, no one thought that was coming. Everyone thought she was going to, she was going to get the needle or the chair or whatever they use in Florida. I think it's lethal injection or whatever. But anyways, <clears throat> the trial continues over the next few months. And there are a lot of things brought up. Uh, searches on the family computer for chloroform and foolproof suffocation and other topics, all of which supposedly were searched under Casey's login, to which the defense argued anyone in the home could have done based on the timeline of who was present in the home and that it could have easily have been George Anthony or Casey. Also, there was no physical evidence of chloroform found in any of the searches or in the remains of Kaylee. Um, you know, finally, the, the verdict comes in on July 5th, 2011, where three years later, um, the jury finds Casey not guilty on the counts of first-degree murder. However, she is found guilty on the counts of lying to law enforcement. There were four counts of that and sentenced to one year in jail and a $1,000 fine for each count. Uh, she was actually credited for her time already served, which was nearly three years. Um, you know, and I'll say this, my take... Um, one, I think, like I said, anyone who is ever interested should in the case should watch the interview. Um, you know, and it's presented very non-biased. Uh, they state right in the beginning, Casey had no creative control, and it doesn't push a narrative. Um, I personally think her father did it. Um, I do think maybe Casey knew that, was afraid of him, maybe protected him through some sort of trauma of being a victim herself, maybe, maybe just being kind of a mess. Um, you know, I, I think everything about George Anthony is shady, uh, you know, and the, the, just from even little small details, and they even cover this in the interview is at his granddaughter's funeral, he said he would miss the smell of her sweat. And, and I find that very strange. Um, you know, I don't think that's something a grieving person says, but um, it's it's very good. You know, like I said, and regardless of what we ever find out, nothing's going to 
bring back Kaylee Anthony and I and, and I'll be I'll be honest I feel for Casey I believe you know she has suffered and continues to suffer and besides her daughter you know she's lost a lot she society has imposed a sentence on her like no one else that I can think of um, she pretty much lives in anonymity you know, to a certain extent, she's left on an island. Um, that's just my opinion, you know, and some people may think she deserves that. But like I said, you know, we're all innocent till proven guilty. She was found innocent. Um, like I said, that's just my opinion. We know what opinions are worth. But, uh, you know, any of you that watched this, you know, watched the interview and all that, I'd love to hear your opinions on what you thought of it. Um, I guess to wrap things up, because it's getting late, I kind of really want to go to bed. Um, we're doing we're going to do a complete 180 here. Um, I almost changed the episode title of this after my discussion on Johnny Cash and Nine Inch Nails Hurt. Uh, but I'm stubborn, so I stuck with what I started with, which is uh, Zach Bryan's Something in the Orange. And, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, I'd filed this song in Zach Bryan's catalog, kind of under what I call drinking music. And, and I don't mean like good time, dancing on the table, tear up the club music. I mean the kind of music that's in the background when you wind down, you enjoy a nice glass of your favorite adult beverage, or as I like to call it, whiskey. Um, <clears throat> Brian, Zach Bryan has this like pure sound that just like makes you want to dive more into his music and not just listen to one song. Um, you know, you feel the emotion in his voice. You can see the story in his lyrics. He's really a breath of fresh air and the overproduced pop sound that country music has kind of become. Um, he's real. Like, I, that's the... It's just like real music. You know, when it's good, you feel it. But uh, And he's kind of a throwback to the old sound. You know, the Western... That in that in the genre of country was originally you know country western music, but he's kind of it's kind of western. I believe he's from Oklahoma. So, if you like great music, uh, something to kind of enjoy, beverage, reminisce with, relax by the fireplace, fire pit, in your favorite comfy comfy chair, and collect your thoughts. Um, download and enjoy your enjoy yourself some Zach Bryan. Um, that's all I got tonight, folks. Um, hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, check out the website. Get some t-shirts. Follow us on social media. As always, I appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week.